What is going on, everyone? This is Drew Code Sports Talk, and I am your host, Andrew Wright, coming at you from Fresno, California. And coming at you from Clovis, California, is my co-host, Cody Johnson. Cody. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the show. Thank you guys for joining us on this late night Drew Code episode. Uh, sit back, guys. Enjoy. We've got a really fun episode. We're basically talking about just about everything. Before we get started, before we get started, excuse me, words are hard tonight. Don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel and don't forget to follow us on all of our social media handles. They are linked down below. So, without further ado, let's get started. All right, well, Cody, uh, we are without guests today. It is just us. I feel like this is such a solo show, and it's like it's not. It's you know, it's know. just us two. Um, but you are seeing this correctly, uh, you zero people. Um, <laughs> you are seeing this correctly. It is um, just us two, and it is on a Friday. We are not recording on a Thursday, as I uh, I made our plans change. So I am sorry about that, Cody. Um, completely my bad. But you know what? I had to go support some family members, and I'm glad I did. Um mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad to also be, I'm glad that I was able to do this. I was yeah. a little worried that I wasn't going to be able to do it this week. And it would probably be close to possibly a month that I'm not going to be able to do this. So yeah, this may be my last week for the next three weeks. Maybe I get another shot. We'll see uh, if, <laughs> if everything unfolds. I know I, I'm Marco Polo to you all of this, so I don't need to go into further detail. But uh, getting close to vacation time for me and the family, so... Uh, you know, trying to plan for all that. So I'm excited about today for real. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I can't wait to uh, get this show going. But before we get all this started, Cody, how you doing, man? Doing pretty good, man. Uh, it is uh, kind of sad that this could be the last show that we do for at least a couple of weeks because you do have a well-earned vacation coming up. But I am glad to be doing it with you on a Friday night. I'm glad we were able to squeeze this in. And it's going to be a heck of a show. And super, super excited because this is finally one where we continue our series and then put it on pause for a couple of weeks. But, you know, things are going well. So how are you doing over there? You know, we're doing okay. Um, Man, we have... (sighs) We have been uh, going... Uh, through school for the last well this is our this is our third week now wow uh, my wife and I we have uh, recently gone back to school sorry as you can see I'm watching the Giants game right now I'm trying to you know so if you see me like glance up here I'm so I'm so sorry but uh, it's been it's not been great so far but I still need to see anyway um, so we've been going through a lot of school stuff homework has been crazy um, mm-hmm. I've never done an online, strictly online class before. And um, so I didn't realize how much work went into it. It is a lot of work. So I am just trying to get it together. But you know what? I I have no problem saying this on air. Um, I actually, my, my daughter did one of my, I have an art class and I have a child development class. And the child development is a lot of work. The mm-hmm. art, I just 
I can't get into. I'm not an art person. Um, it's just not cool for me. It just it doesn't do anything for me. And so um, we had a project, and my daughter was like, "Hey, I'll I'll color it and draw it for you." And I was like, "Okay." And uh-huh. my daughter's eight, mind you. If you if you guys don't know, Cody, obviously you know, but. So my daughter does this project and um, I get the feedback from my teacher uh, a couple of days later. She gives me a hundred percent on it. And I was like, Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> so I was telling, I was telling my daughter, I was like, Nadia, you know, he, she gave you a hundred percent. And then she went on and said, like, there was like two specific things that my daughter actually had the idea for. Uh-huh. And so it wasn't even like my wife's idea. Cause everything was my wife and my daughter. And, um, the two ideas that my daughter thought of, my teacher shouted it out. She was like, this, I've never seen, out of the 12 years that I teach, I've never seen anyone come up with an idea like that. That was such a great idea. I was like, Nadia, you could go to, you could go to college for art. Like, it's fantastic. So, I so was, to be, I've, to be fair though, your daughter is kind of a prodigy. She's extremely smart for her age. So just to put that out there. Yes. Yes, for sure. So, uh, I was, I was so happy. I was like now, but now, uh, you know, they're all stuck having to do, um, my, my art projects, the coloring portions, because now I don't draw like that or color like that. So now they have to do it. So I was like, you guys kind of caught yourself here, but, uh, you know, it's, it's been good. I mean, I'm doing okay with, um, I'm doing okay with my grades. So we'll take, we'll, we'll take it there. The fact that you're starting it up is just commendable in itself because not a lot of people will do it. So give yourself a little bit of credit because I've been telling you that, you know, it's really tough. But I mean, if anybody can have the, you know, the determination to do it, it's for sure you. So you'll you'll get through it just fine. It's just the first semester, which, by the way, the summer semester is always the hardest because it's more work yeah. in a shorter amount of time. Oh, so. my God. Yeah. Oh, my God. I was not ready for this. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's cut into our golf time, too. So you better really yes. pass this course, dude. I know. But I've been hey, this week. I've been I've been on it. So uh, possibly golf. Maybe we'll see. We'll, we'll see. see what happens. <laughs> so, Cody, we have a lot of sports to talk about. And I just want to say, first of all, because uh, we've already gotten a shout out um, now uh, from them, uh, from the Backseat Podcast. Um, I appreciate them shouting us out. First of all, they've been texting us. Uh, we're actually playing, the Giants are playing the Padres right now. So I've been texting them, you know, we're enemies right now. <laughs> Good luck to the Padres because I figured we were going to lose the series anyway. I mean, yeah. I'm realistic about it. And uh, so far, I'm correct on that. Um, so... We'll see what happens, but, you know, Machado hit another home run today as he hit one yesterday. So I texted him. I was like, oh, my God, this guy is an MVP just from his uh, just from his showings against the Giants alone, not even just right. what he's been doing all season. Um, but uh, I wanted to shout them out. They've been a, a great help, you know, been able to be willing to text back and forth with us. So I appreciate that, guys. Also been a big supporter of us, and we've been uh, supportive of them as well. So, uh, just wanted to shout them out because they shouted us out. I feel like that's only necessary. So, thank you, thank you, thank you, guys, um, and thank you for joining our podcast too. That was that was phenomenal. We loved having um, Ethan. One day, hopefully, we get both of them, or even just Clark, yeah. um, and that way we can uh, have a couple of episodes like that. So I appreciate them uh, being willing and able to do that. So thank you guys. So Cody, 
we have a lot to talk about. Um, today is our um, our AFC South uh, mm-hmm. predictions. So, but there's a lot to talk about too. So let's just get into it right now. Um, we're going to start with um, we got MLB questions, we have NBA questions, and then we'll finish off with NFL. So, um, Cody, let's talk about MLB first. Um, you know, the Giants have been kind of on a losing curve here. Mm-hmm. And we're approaching All-Star break. So, And actually, technically, we are already half in the halfway point of the season because mm-hmm. uh, we're 41 and 40 right now. And if we lose this game, we're going to – okay, if we are going to lose this game. So we're going to be 500 right now. Um, so the question that you posted was, are the Giants going to make the playoffs? What do you think first? Well, I know this is probably going to lead into the following question that we're going to follow up with, but I'm unfortunately going to be a Debbie Downer. I'm going to just say no. I don't think that the Giants are going to be able to continue the, you know, the trend that they're doing now where they're basically losing winnable series, to be honest. And then, you know, going against division rivals, I think we only had one competitive series with the Diamondbacks recently. And we had, we had a pretty good series with the Dodgers, but that was about a month ago. You know, we've lost close games with the Cardinals. We've lost close games, I think, to the Royals. And, you know, we haven't really had a really consistent, um, you know, winning streak in a while. And I think up until a couple of nights ago, we actually were on a seven-game losing streak, which really, really is terrible. And we're in an ultra-competitive division, and you just can't go on seven-game losing streaks and expect to be anywhere near. I mean, you've got the Padres who are playing currently that are arguably, you know, 1A to Dodgers, 1B, or vice versa. Uh, and you have the Diamondbacks, who they may not be as successful, but you know they're not also a team that you can take for granted. Uh, and that's not even including having the Rockies in the Division Two, who you know are an up-and-coming team with some pieces as well. So unfortunately, at the halfway point, I don't see the Giants making the playoffs. If they do, it's going to be maybe one of the last wild cards, but it's a super competitive NL. And there's just too many better teams playing better than the Giants right now. So I don't, I don't know if the Giants are getting into the playoffs, unfortunately, unless they make a lot of changes. And again, we'll talk about it in the next question, but I, I don't see them making the playoffs this season. Well, since the beginning of this year, I had been, at, you know, I, I, Cody, I've told you this. I, when I do my MLB power rankings, I do the top five, but I actually do the top 10. So mm-hmm. that way, if we hit any of the, um, if we hit any of the like, hey, you know, where's this team? Where's that team? Or where do you have that team at? I kind of was prepared. So they've always been in my top 10 mm-hmm. until this past week. I was like, you can't play like that and, it's, and just figure that, you know, it, everything will be okay. Like you have to go off of how they're playing, uh, what's been happening lately. And the one thing that I've said <laughs> since the start of the season I was saying here, sitting here on this chair, telling everyone that this bullpen is not that good. Mm-hmm. This is going to be our Achilles heel, and it is a hundred percent correct. But then I didn't expect that our our starting rotation was going to be tanking. It's rare to have a starting pitcher on on our rotation right now to go over five innings. It's Carlos yeah. Rodon and and Logan Webb. Those are the mm-hmm. only two guys that seem like they can do that. Everyone else, it, it seems like Alex Wood, the last like three, four starts that he's had, I mm-hmm. mean, he's 
we're lucky he gets out of the third inning. Yeah. I mean, it's really bad. Um, obviously, Di Scalafani, he's been absolutely horrid, and he's back on the IL, which, honestly, I'd rather have him on the bump right now because we're struggling just to get a starting picture in the rotation right now. So yeah. uh, there's a lot of things that are going on. Um, a lot of people in in what I've been hearing like from the Giants um, uh, announcers and all that is, Oh, you know, they're they're struggling to score runs. Well, it's kind of hard to get a little bit of momentum when your pictures are constantly giving up runs. And honestly, if you watched last night, they mm-hmm. were scoring runs. It wasn't it wasn't that we weren't scoring runs. It's the fact that we can't keep a lead or we can't right. keep it close. It's really bad. Um Logan Webb went eight innings yesterday and we ended up losing in the tenth. Mm-hmm. Like if your picture is going eight innings, you should be winning at least by three, at least by three runs. Yeah. Um. But so, I mean, I understand that some of the offense isn't, isn't moving, but I really don't think it's been the offense that has been the big issue because we, it's a, we're not getting shut out in these games. Like we're scoring some runs and we're not driving in all the runs that we should. So I will say that, right. but at the same time, um, we have to hold a lead and these pictures, yeah. I mean, Camilo Duvall has been looking absolutely awful. Mm-hmm. Um, um, Jake McGee has been suspected at best. He's already given up a run in this inning. He just came into mm-hmm. um, Sammy long. They were talking about, Oh, how he closed the game against Arizona. And then he went out today and he wasn't doing anything. Gave up runs right away. Gave up a three run shot to Manny Machado. So there's uh, no one is making plays other than Logan Webb and, and Carlos Rodon. And those two guys should be making those plays, but we need other guys to do that and it's not working. So, um, you know, it, it is, it is unfortunate because we need a lot of help mm-hmm. now with this, this extended playoff. We have a chance still, I think with Bryce Harper going down, that can actually help us. I don't think Philadelphia is as good without Bryce Harper. So uh, we do have a chance with that. But, you know, St. Louis is still ahead of us. Right now it's San Diego and Atlanta who are the top two wildcard teams. And then it's Philadelphia and Mm -hmm. St. Louis is a game. And we're two and a half games. So we're still in it. Uh, We we need this break bad. But the bad Mm -hmm. thing is right now is we don't have a break until the All-Star break. There's no days off for the Giants until we hit the all-star break. And we need to get through this stretch at least 500 to kind mm-hmm. of regroup, refocus, and start back, uh, start everything back up. So I think the Giants still have a chance. But if I'm looking at it and I'm being honest with myself, mm-hmm. right now I would pick the Marlins over the Giants just the way that the Giants have been playing. I mean, they're, the last 10 games, they're 2-8, and eight, which yeah. is not a recipe for success. No. Well, then that kind of leads into the second question I was alluding to. So uh, trade deadline, I believe, is August 2nd. So we're about um, we're a little less than a month now before the deadline. Um, You know, obviously, we just talked about that. You know, you think the Giants have an opportunity to make the playoffs. I don't think they do right now. But at the trade deadline, do you think the Giants are going to be buyers or sellers? This is my this is my question is, who are they going to (laughs) sell? I mean, Rodon would probably be one. Mm-hmm. Um, and that would be if that would be if he doesn't want to resign, which mm-hmm. there's a possibility. Um, 
but he's having a great year. And if he wants to win now, he could totally go wherever, opt out of his contract and re-sign with the Giants if he really wanted to re-sign. Right. I hope they're buyers um, because I want them to contend because I feel like this team is not that far off. I think if our rotation can get healthy, we can make it, but we're going to have to make some trades for the bullpen. Mm -hmm. And it's just, I don't know who's out there that we could get that would really save us. I mean, there's a few, I've seen a few pictures from like Pittsburgh, uh, Cincinnati, um, you know, Chicago has a couple of relievers that I like. So Mm -hmm. there's a possibility that they could be buyers, but, even if they're buyers and they go after bullpen or let's say they were really buying and they bought Juan Soto who I've been pushing for this whole time. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure that's still going to bring them over the edge. I just, there's a lot that's going on with the giants that they have issues. And yes, injuries are a part of baseball. And it's just unfortunate that the injuries that we're having is like the thinnest part of, what we don't have, which is starting starting pitching right now. Our starting pitchers in the minor leagues are guys who, you know, are not ready. They're, mm-hmm. they're, they're going to get creamed, and it's just going to kill their focus. And then we, we traded away Tyler Beatty, which I kind of understood why we did at the time because we really weren't using him that, you know, how we should be using him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we didn't have a need for him. Now he would be a perfect fit right now for us because – we need someone who can come in and, and start some games, but he gave up a lot of runs too. So there's a lot that's going on with the Giants. I I kind of think they might be buyers, but I just don't know who they could get that would really change the trajectory that they have right now. Yeah. I mean, they would have to get someone big, and and you know, someone big is already on a contending team. So uh, you're not going to get that trade. So yeah. I. I I'm kind of talking myself out of maybe they won't make it to the playoffs and maybe they will, but mm-hmm. they're not going to do anything with a playoff spot. Yeah. I, some part of me wants them to become buyers. I seen um, a report. I think it's somewhere on Twitter uh, that uh, I think the pitcher's name is Trevor mall from the reds might be on the market and, you know, giants could be targeting him and that could be a, a good starting pitcher uh, target. Oh, excuse me. And so having him would, you know, bolster the rotation and he's a younger pitcher than, you know, Cobb or Wood. I unfortunately think we're going to be sellers, though, if we are aren't competitive come the playoff time or, you know, come the deadline, I'd say, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, the only other assets I can think of that might be that might be things that we would probably dump off is, you know, again, Carlos Rendon, as you mentioned, um, you know, maybe um maybe Tyler Rogers because he hasn't really had the greatest of showings. So depending on what team might want to help in the bullpen or relief, maybe he moves on from there. Um, you know, the only other player I can think of is maybe someone in the batter, someone in the batting lineup, maybe uh, Flores Estrada, who's having a pretty good season, maybe dump them off for maybe some prospects. Um, but I don't know what it depends on where the giants are at, but I don't know who they're going to be able to to trade for in the buying market to get them over the top, you know, becoming a relevant playoff team. I think they should focus on pitching because at least, you know, if yeah. the Giants, uh, if the Di- Giants bats can put the ball into play and at least stretch, you know, the starting pitcher and, you know, battle in the in the um, at their at bats, they have a chance, but they don't really have the greatest defense this season. For some reason, it's really taken a step back. 
And I think starting pitching would help move around some pitchers in the bullpen to maybe bolster it during certain innings. Um, but that would be the only thing that would help. But then we're not going to be able to score any runs because, again, our lineup right now, when it's cold, it's cold. And there is nothing in there that sparks it even to get any sort of momentum. So that's that's another thing, too, is what's more important if they're buying, you know, starting pitching or elite hitting. So, yeah. Yeah, I would I would definitely go pitching as well. So um, that one, I ran a little bit long on that, but I just, you know, I haven't been able to talk about Giants baseball in a while. I mean, it's been it's been up and down, you know, an absolute, yeah. uh, you know, elevator of a of a season for the Giants right now. So, I mean, it looked like, hey, we're going to be contenders again. And now it's looking like we'll be lucky if we're in the race by trade deadline time. So, yeah, uh, you we'll know, see if what we- happens. Hopefully we can finish above 500. I'd hate for us to be literally the number one team in ML last season and then, you know, under 500 the following year. That would be the most catastrophic thing and a confidence hitter, especially with a team that we think could make it over the hump with a couple of pieces. This is not the way to do it, though. So, yeah. All right, Cody. So I'm going to give my top five power rankings in the MLB this uh, this week. Um it's pretty much the same teams that we've heard, uh, slightly different order. So um, I will try and uh, say it a little bit longer so you can – I know you're going to try and find the teams. But it is the same teams on there, I promise. So okay. I, of course, have the Yankees at number one. Um, listen, as much as I, I don't think it's still going to hold, you know, Garrett Cole – is um pitching fantastically i mean he's he's got to be al cy young um favorite or at least in the running top three um aaron judge is right now in my opinion the al mvp Uh, as much as i would love to give it to mike trout i think the batting average is way better with judge and he's hitting in the same uh spot than mike trout is and Mm -hmm. you know um, you know, Judge has the home runs. He's got RBIs. I mean, he's he's doing everything. So right now, uh, Aaron Judge for me is is the AL MVP, and then you have a potential AL Cy Young uh, winner. So Yankees at number one. I have the Dodgers at number two. Um, you know, listen, uh, Kershaw. I mean, Walker Buehler's hurt, but he's still you know uh, fantastic. Julio Arias, who the Giants just saw. He's been uh, he's been solid. Uh, Anderson, uh, the the young picture that they have, that guy's been phenomenal. I mean, my wife in fantasy baseball has has him, and he every time I look at him, he's got like twenty points for himself. So uh, he's been fantastic. Um, you know, obviously Mookie Betts. I mean, the the list goes on. This is a phenomenal team. Um, then you have, uh, I have the Astros at three. Now this is a team that moved up. I've had them five or four consistently. I moved them up. They have been winning pretty well, pretty handily. And they've been getting hurt. Uh, Pena was mm-hmm. hurt earlier. Um, Alvarez got hurt for a while. Kyle Tucker was hurt for a couple of days. Michael Brantley is, um, is on the, I believe is on the 10 day IL right now. So, they have a lot of injuries that have accumulated who are kind of their core guys, yet they're still winning. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as much as I don't want to talk about it, Altuve still having a really good year. Um, you know, Bregman has been struggling, but uh, so far it's been okay for them. Uh, Gurriel, um, you know, 
he's kind of not who he used to be, but he at least is a solid starter. So there's a lot of these guys that they have that is uh, very, very, um, very awesome. And, and these guys are, I mean, they just have talent everywhere. And it's so crazy how they've accumulated it. They were able to let go of Carlos Correa. And I feel like they're better without Correa now. Like, I, mm-hmm. I feel like they're a more solid team. So uh, good for uh, good for the Astros. I have the Mets at number four. They've been slowly trickling down a little bit, but I have watched them a little bit. Uh, Francisco Lindor is still Francisco Lindor. Um, they have a lot of injuries. I mean, Bassett just came back from, um, from the COVID list, and uh, he didn't look too great. But, um, you know, we'll see how he does uh, further on. But, you know, Scherzer's still out. So, I mean, and obviously DeGrom we haven't even seen yet this year. But they're mm-hmm. still winning these games. They're still, uh, you know, a competitive team. So um, I still have to have the Mets up there. Obviously, they're, you know, first place in the NL East. Then I have the Padres at number five. I almost put the Padres over the Mets. But I, I do think that the um, – I do believe that the Mets are still – I would still pick them over the Padres. Um, Pods, they're, they're just – I mean, they're, they're hitting well. And their mm-hmm. their starting rotation has finally gotten healthy. Mike Clevenger has come back. Tony or Tony Snell, Blake Snell, um, has done really well, um, and he picks really good today. So um, good for the Padres. I mean, they're they're a fantastic team. I wish I wish I didn't have to say that, uh, especially with the Dodgers at number two. But mm-hmm. and the Padres, I almost put the Braves over them, but I I still would pick the Padres right now. I think the Braves got got in that winning streak that they had and and that's mm-hmm. really helped them prepare pro, propel over uh the Padres technically in the standings right. but for me I would pick the Padres team over the Braves right now so that's my top 5 All right so a quick review of your top 5 I have Yankees at 1, Dodgers at 2, Astros at 3, Mets at 4 and I have the Padres at 5 all right, right on. Oh, and by the way, shout out to Brad. He's watching. He said, uh, uh, hell yeah, Mets over Padres. So he, Yes, he Brad, with that. Brad is definitely a, uh, if he's not watching the Giants, he's watching the Mets or the White Sox. He loves watching both of those teams. So, um, yeah, so that's why he's like, <laughs> he's been hearing me talk about Padres a lot because of uh, uh, back, backseat uh, podcast. So, yeah. Great. All right. Well, Cody, let's go into some NBA uh, questions. And um, there's been a lot, surprisingly. I didn't think it was going to be as uh, as much as there was, but there was a lot of movement like day one. Mm-hmm. Day two wasn't a ton. Uh, it was more like, you know, you know, talking about, uh, you know, where's KD going to go? Where's Kyrie going to go? All that stuff. But um, where... I mean, to you, what was the best free agent move, you know, signing or trade, uh, that you were most surprised with? Oh, um, you know, I'm actually not upset about what the Lakers have done so far. They've got a couple of role players. I know that their free agency, um, you know, their free agency targets have been a little bit more selective because they don't have a whole lot of cap space. But I have to be honest, if there's one that kind of sticks out for me, it's the, it's the, uh, the trade with uh, with the Hawks getting, Deon- uh, I think his name is Murray, um, getting him 
pairing with Trey Young. I think that'll be a huge one. Jazante uh, Marine. Jazante. Jazante. <laughs> oh my gosh. So sorry. <laughs> Words are hard. Anyways, yes, getting him is a, um, I thought it was an outstanding pickup on the Hawks. He showed really great um, leadership on the Spurs, who you can tell they're just now playing for the lottery um, and they're basically starting over from, from scratch. And, uh, you know, I think him pairing with Trey Young is going to be great. I'm curious to see now what the Hawks do more to fill out their roster. Questions are, are they going to keep John Collins, who I think is on his last last year of his rookie deal, and he's been in trade rumors for a long time. If they do resign him, he's a great asset, um, you know, but just to see what happens to help elevate the Hawks team, because when they got into the playoffs, of course, they got swept by the Sixers. Clearly, they just didn't have enough firepower. Uh, so I think this does help. Does it put him over the edge? No, but I think this does make him somewhere between like a top five, top four Eastern Conference team, especially now. I think the NBA is now shifted to rather not having uh, a big two big men anymore. It was kind of like having a guard and a big man that pair well together. Now I feel like it's going to like a, you know, your backcourt is most important having a one and a two yeah. guard. Uh, I mean, some of the more, more successful teams that have that Golden State with Clay and and Steph. I would even say Houston Rockets when they had um, James Harden and Chris Paul. Right now with the Suns, Chris Paul and Devin Booker. It's not necessarily a big man and a guard anymore. It's now two guards, a, a reliable point guard and a two guard that are inter-switchable. Seems like that combination is working well, and I think the Hawks have a pretty good young young uh, backcourt that's gonna that's gonna lead them uh, through some really tough games, and I think it's gonna show some growth for them. I mean, I'll, I'll do kind of a twofer. I'm gonna go real quick on the first one. That's why I'm doing twofer, and. Um... You know, you can't stop me, Cody. So whatever. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I, you know, I was kind of surprised that the Pelicans um, signed Zion Williamson to a max contract. I mean, I know that could be a hot take, just me saying that I'm surprised. But I mean, to be perfectly honest, like I, it's kind of surprising that an organization went through what they went through with Zion Williamson. With, <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I don't want to body shame anyone because I'm I don't have the best body, of course, but. Um, you know, a guy who is getting paid millions of dollars and plays a game, mm-hmm. you know, this basketball game, uh, for those millions of dollars to come in out of shape, uh, was kind of very shocking. And then this injury where it was like, and you know, his guys are saying, oh, well, you know, it was, it was the team. They were being more cautious, blah, 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 blah. And it was like, yeah, I think it was, but I think the weight was kind of a problem too. They were like, we don't want him to re-injure something because he gained all this weight. And so that was a little concerning. Now I understand that he's a young guy. He has to, you know, kind of figure things out for himself. Of course, I understand that. That's Mm -hmm. why I was very surprised that they got that max deal. So um, I understand it from a basketball perspective because he is a phenomenal talent. I would have taken him... I would have been okay if the Lakers signed him to a, you know, max contract if if they had that ability to. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I was a little surprised about how quick the Pelicans were to just, let's re-sign them right now. And I was like, oh, yeah. I, okay. And it was max. I thought that was kind of yeah. surprising to me. So, um, but, you know, hey, they know better. I mean, obviously he took a year off, so maybe they think he's he's ready to go. They Maybe this was their plan all along. Um, so good for them. 
Yeah, um, I guess my only so just to really piggyback off of that real quick, I guess I'm more surprised because again, I I don't know how I feel about signing to a max contract, and I think how well the Pelicans played with just you know Brandon Ingram and CJ McCollum, I probably would have maybe taken in some trade calls for Zion Williamson to see what you can get back just because yes, yes, he's a generational athlete, but he has an injury history and he is a bigger guy. Like you mentioned, he did have a weight problem when he came into camp. Now, has he worked a majority of that off? Probably, but there was also a time where like he just kind of wasn't following his, uh, his team's training staffs or their regimen. He's kind of doing his own thing. And you know, that could be bad too, alienating the team that is trying to look out for your best interests and you're not buying that. And, you know, if I'm the Pelicans and I'm taking that into consideration, I guess this is a, a hot take to carry on with yours. I probably would have looked at maybe trying to field in some more assets from him. Or, you know, if I feel comfortable riding with, like I mentioned, Brandon Ingram and CJ McCollum, maybe what can I dangle Zion out there to get back to get us into a closer win now window? Like, what other teams would have done business to get Zion? Like, yeah. So just know, see what you so. could get back at least. Right. Uh, yeah. Just float the idea out there. I, I agree with you. But the, the one I was really surprised with was I, I don't understand what the Timberwolves are doing <laughs> because they go ahead and trade for Rudy Gobert, who I don't, yeah. I'm not saying is, is a bad player. I think he's good. I mean, he's, he's a good center. He's a, he's a rim protector for sure. Giants just lost, um, and they hit a two-run home run with two outs in the ninth. So they gave me hope. I hate that. Anyway, <laughs> um, so you know he he's a good rim protector. He's a guy that um, you know is going to give you his all on defense. His offense, on the other hand, is a little weird. Now, I actually do think it can fit with the with the Timberwolves because you already have enough hands that that can score baskets. You have Anthony Edwards. You have um, Carl Anthony Towns, and you have um, a D'Angelo Russell at times as well. Um, mm-hmm. So, with those three guys, you know you have enough scoring. So now Rudy Gobert is really not going to have ten points. <laughs> He's going to have like probably like six, eight points average yeah. would be my guess. No, he'll probably have more than that. But in all honesty, now all he has to do is focus on defense, and I think that does benefit him. But at the same time, I, I'm I'm a little worried of how this is going to work with Cat and Rudy Gobert specifically because that's really two big guys that you're going to be starting. Right. I mean, maybe they're going to maybe they're going to have Rudy Gobert come off the bench, but I doubt it because they're going to. I mean, they're paying him some good money. I mean, it's not like Rudy Gobert was super cheap, right? So. You know, it, it's going to be interesting. You're going to start these guys with each other. Um, you have Anthony Edwards. Like I said, you have D'Angelo Russell. Um, you know, no more Pat Beverly, unfortunately. That's that's going to be sad. But anyway, uh, I mean, they should have re-signed them. If they're going to have Rudy Gobert, like, just have Beverly there too. I yeah. got two defenders who are really going to focus on defense. Everyone else can focus on offense. I mean, hey, that might work, but... To be in all honesty, I was very surprised that they went and traded for him. I, I was, it, it, I don't know, it just seemed weird to me. I, I don't understand it, and I don't think this helps them to win all that much. They might right. win a couple of more games, possibly, right. but I don't think it makes them better in the in the postseason. I think it actually could possibly make them worse because now teams are going to be like, okay, stop Edwards, stop, um, uh, stop Cat, and make Gobert score or D'Angelo Russell 
mm-hmm. we've seen Russell enough to know that he's not gonna he's not gonna be able to take over games. He may take over one game, and then you're gonna have to kind of be a little honest on him. But right. with Gobert, he's been in the playoffs time and time again, and he completely falls apart. So yeah. to me, this doesn't help them. This just makes them slightly better. And and I don't think yeah. that's that's a recipe for success. So just goes to show you what what the Timberwolves, how their organization runs. Yeah, I mean, essentially they go from a playing team to maybe the seventh seed, in my opinion. And I'm not surprised that they traded for Gobert. I think I'm surprised by how much they gave up to get Gobert. Like five first round pick, a handful of players for Rudy Gobert. No, don't don't get me wrong. Is he the Shaq stopper we all are hoping for? No. Is he an is he an excellent defender? Yes, he's former you know defensive player of the year. But you know, to your credit and to your point, this actually shrinks the floor for the Timberwolves. For the Timberwolves, excuse me. And they are known for a running team, and Rudy Gobert is not a runner, per se. He <laughs> is a guy that is going to be stationary, and I don't know how the Timberwolves are going to make a half-court offense work, um, especially with Anthony Edwards, D'Angelo Russell, you know, Cat. I can maybe see Cat maybe being in the corner three, but with having his specialty, I wouldn't have him standing outside the three-point line. I would want him in the interior. But if you also put Rudy Gobert there, Offenses are just going to double Rudy, and if Rudy gets in trouble, he's not going to find the open guy. And I don't know how well that offense is going to work. But, you know, ultimately, we will see. Um, Again, I'm just surprised by how much they gave up. They essentially gave up the next four draft picks in the, you know, in the first round and the following years to come. So they really mortgaged their future on Rudy Gobert. So they better win the championship in the next, like, two to three years before it's all said and done. I just think that they looked at the Celtics and were like, oh, all we need is a shot blocker. And it's like, yeah. okay, yeah, that helps. But like, look at the team that won, which is the Warriors, mm-hmm. where they literally have no center. Draymond right. Green was their center. He's six seven, maybe. Right. Um, I, I think I've heard sometimes like he looks more like a six six. Whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's not a he's not a traditional center. Right. What? Where is the NBA? Where has the NBA been going the last few years? It's been going small ball. Mm-hmm. So you just went taller, which yeah, that's going to help inside. But I mean, everyone knows how to shoot now. So, and Rudy Gobert to be as good of a defender and that he is, mm-hmm. he's not that good of a a perimeter defender. He's more of an right. interior defender, and. um I think you're going to see a lot of a lot of issues with that, and I think yeah. Timberwolves are going to regret that trade. To be to be perfectly honest, I think they're going to be like, we made a big trade and it really didn't work out. <laughs> I mean, right. I agree with you. I think they're going from a, a play-in team to a to a maybe a seven seed. I, I agree with that. But what are they going to do with that seven seed? Probably, I mean, they would have faced what the Warriors. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't see them beating Probably the Warriors again. one game. No, so. or especially when the Nuggets get healthy, they're not beating the Nuggets. So, yeah, yeah. All right, Cody. Well, um, <clears throat> there's another story out there in the NBA world that uh, Brian Windhorst actually said. Um, I don't remember if it was on first take today. I can't remember what what show he was on, but he did say today that Kyrie Irving the the, the trade to the Lakers is going to happen eventually. We just don't know when. And it seems like Russell Westbrook is going to be in the trade. That's what he said. 
Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to say, you know, there's still a possibility that he could go on there. But, you know, we've heard all this before where it's like, oh, it's a done deal. And then it never happens. So I'm gonna, I'm not going to say it's going to happen yet. But will the will Kyrie go to the Lakers this offseason, in your opinion? Man, I think that depends because, you know, obviously from what Brian Windhorst says, and I'm, I'm essentially just repeating what he's what he what he heard um is you know the market for Kyrie is very limited although the more time that he's with the nets it gives other teams more opportunities to think about if they're willing to part with some assets to acquire Kyrie now i think reports are true that Kyrie has basically made it known that he would rather be on the lakers than any other team one way or the other I can't imagine any team crazy enough to rent out Kyrie for one season for him just to leave to go to LA. But this isn't the first time that we've heard rumors of, you know, I'm gonna I want to go to LA no matter what. I mean, I can remember uh, Kawhi Leonard stating or Paul George wanting to go to the Lakers. They end up going yeah. to different teams, and mm-hmm. we we're like, oh, we'll just wait, we'll get him for free. And where did they go? They went to the this, Clippers. This so, is why I have trust issues. Yes, exactly. So not <laughs> saying that Kyrie is going to choose the Clippers because, again, Clippers have a monument of talent already with signing John Wall uh, and having Reggie Jackson, I think, still on the team. So it's not like they're going to really need Kyrie. Uh, I think Kyrie's interested in playing with LeBron again. And I think the same for LeBron. But, you know, I don't want to say as a Laker fan, it's a done deal because there's been too many trades that we've said, oh, it's in the bag. We've got it. They want to come to the Lakers and then they don't come to the Lakers. I think the only player in the most recent memory that we that has reported wanting to come to the Lakers, we traded and made it happen was with Anthony Davis. And unfortunately, we are actually still paying for Anthony Davis. We had no future <laughs> draft picks to really use as ammunition to trade. Uh, we did get 80. It came with a championship, but you know, in that same token, though, he's missed several games. So, you yeah. know, it's also to a detriment. And to that detriment, whatever little assets that we had to trade for AD, we also used to trade a Russell Westbrook. And now we're in the situation we are in now. So, you know, I hope it comes through this offseason. I want to say, yes, it will happen. But, you know, as been a Laker fan my entire life, I've seen too many times reports of Lakers like, oh, this player desires to go to the Lakers. Lakers don't be as aggressive because they think they have it in the bag. And then the player goes somewhere else because it gave other teams an opportunity to sell them on the opportunity to play with them. And again, my example of Paul George and and, uh, Kawhi Leonard is exactly what I'm talking about. So I really do hope the Lakers do take some urgency and make it happen sooner rather than later. Well, if you if you're watching on YouTube, you can see I'm wearing my Lakers jersey. It's it's the LeBron James jersey, okay? So, um, and um, I'm holding it up because I'm I'm proud to be a Lakers fan th- today because I know what's going to happen, Cody. And you can call this clout, you can call this hot take, whatever you want to call it. Uh-huh. But I think the Brian Windhorse thing. There's there was a story earlier that said. KD and Kyrie are not done playing with each other. They just don't want it to be in Brooklyn. They're coming to the Lakers, Cody. I've been on this for a long time. I don't know why you don't you don't just embrace it. Maybe it's because of the Kawhi Paul George deal. But uh-huh. I got to tell you this, Cody. We're trading away Anthony Davis. We're trading away Russell Westbrook. We're getting rid of THT. We're getting rid of our top draft pick, whatever, in 2027 or something. I don't know when it is. I don't care. We're getting rid of all of it. 
Because we're uh-huh. going to get Katie and we're going to get Kyrie. If you put Katie, Kyrie, and, and LeBron on a team, that's all you need. You don't need a bench. You don't need two other starters. Nah, you can miss me with that. We're going to put those three guys out there and we're going to beat the living daylights out of every other team. I, 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 I actually, I really do believe that. I know, I know I'm going like way overboard, but I'm serious. I really think that the story that Ryan Winhorse said that Kyrie and Russell Westbrook, it's a done deal. We just don't know all the ins and outs. There was mm-hmm. a story before this Kyrie story that came out that said KD there's not a lot of people trying to go after KD. And the mm-hmm. reason being is you have your Celtics. They don't want to get rid of uh, Jason Tatum. You're going to give them, you're going to give the Nets Jalen Brown. Yes, he's a good player, but is he KD caliber? Now you could add a couple of draft picks, but you know, the Nets kind of want a star player in return. Mm-hmm. So you have that. You talk about the Warriors. I don't think they're going to touch KD again. Who are they going to give up that that they can give up right now? They can't. There's there's a lot of teams that have these superstar players that they don't want to give up. If you're the mm-hmm. Timberwolves, are you really going to be okay getting rid of Anthony Edwards for uh, Kevin Durant? I don't think so because, to be honest, Anthony Edwards looks like a fantastic player. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna. I'm not saying he's at the level of KD, but he at least is going to be a Timberwolf for a while versus mm-hmm. a KD who could be only a year or two. So there's not a lot of teams that want to trade away their best player who is young and who's right. going to be there for a while, like a Zion Williamson. You're not going to trade Zion now. You can sign him to a huge contract. You're not going to take KD over Zion right now because we've seen what Zion can do when he is playing. He's mm-hmm. spectacular. So. And then you add KD instead of Zion, you're kind of destroying the chemistry of that team. The Lakers, they have no chemistry (laughs) because the chemistry is sitting on the bench, always hurt with Anthony Davis and LeBron James lately. So Mm -hmm. now you add KD, you add Kyrie. Kyrie doesn't even have to play half the time. LeBron doesn't even have to play half the time. KD Mm -hmm. doesn't have to play half the time. All they have to do is come together they're going to work together because, first of all, LeBron and Kyrie, they've played together. They know how each other works. Now Kyrie can be the the middleman between the two where he can say, hey, KD, this is what LeBron likes to do. And KD knows already, as I've said multiple times, LeBron's passive now. I mean, mm-hmm. he's always been passive, but he's going to be extra passive. He's going to want to give the reins to KD, and that's what KD wants. He wants the reins of the team. And in with Brooklyn, it was kind of like, oh, maybe they should kind of let Kyrie do things. Now, you don't even have to – that's not even in the question. You don't even have a question of, oh, is Kyrie going to have the – no, he's not going to have the ball. Mm-hmm. He's, he's going to have the ball a few times, but he's going to be like, okay, obviously LeBron and then KD and then I'm going to have it. So I'll just – I'll start doing the spot-up shooting a lot. Mm-hmm. And he's more than capable of doing that. So I'm, on, I'm being honest here. I really do think you're going to see KD, Laker, Kyrie, Laker. I think you're seeing it. I mean, don't get me wrong, dude. I'd love to see that. But in what world is what world is some NBA GM going to give um, give the Lakers not only Kyrie with LeBron 
and KD at the same time. I just don't see it happening. Don't get me wrong. I want that to happen very badly. I don't see it happening. I think that that is a death sentence, so to speak, for the league because, you know, that would be, I think, a more of egregious than when LeBron, you know, Bosch and D Wade teamed up. I think that'd be more egregious than when KD signed with the Warriors. I mean, I want it to happen. I just don't think that's going to happen. There's too many factors that come to it with salary, and it's not even the best package that they could get for both players uh, in, in terms of what the Lakers are going to give the Nets. It's not even the best package. And I just don't know if the Nets are going to be like, yeah, sure, here, we're going to hand you over your championship team, and we're going to take your leftover players that you didn't develop well and your draft picks for four years in the future that aren't going to matter diddly squat to us in the next two to three years when really they can potentially get a bunch of draft picks that will make that happen from other teams. But again, as a Lakers fan, I a hundred percent want it to happen. Just don't know if it will. I think you're, I don't, I don't mean to come make this sound bad. So I, I, I don't want you to take it the wrong way, but I don't think anyone cares now with the super mm-hmm. teams. Like I, I think to a certain extent, yeah, people are like, Oh my God, now we're giving the Lakers this, but I, I really don't think, people care that much about the super teams. I mean, we've seen it so many times now. It's just like, okay, it happens, Mm -hmm. whatever. We'll see what happens. But also if you're the Nets, this actually is a smart move because first of all, you get rid of toxic Kyrie and let's, let's not sugarcoat it. Kyrie is absolutely toxic. The only team he could go to right now is the Lakers just because of LeBron. The other thing is KD. He's not all that young himself. Mm-hmm. So, yes, you are giving them KD, and you could potentially give them a championship this year. But there is a potential that in three years, you don't see that again. Mm-hmm. You're not going to see the Lakers. You might see the Lakers completely crumble because they've created all these assets and stuff. And I think the Lakers would be okay with that right now because they are, we need to win now, especially with LeBron. And I think that's the smarter move than to be like, well, we need to worry about the future. Like, yes, you do, but to a certain extent because of the players that you have. You have a player in uh, of a caliber in LeBron James, and you're going to squander that by not going after the best players. You went after Anthony Davis. Yeah, that was great. But now you're seeing that he's having these injuries. If you're the Nets, you can have Anthony Davis. If he has a healthy year, he's still one of the best players in the league. And if he is hurt, you could potentially still trade him for more assets. The Mm -hmm. Nets are going to lose Kyrie and Kevin Durant. They're not going to be in a win-now mode. I think that they want to, and that's why they want a superstar. But if you get a superstar that you could potentially either resurrect or at least get something in return for for that superstar, I think you could go after an Anthony Davis and you could end up, I mean, you could go after probably a Jalen Brown too if you really wanted to. They have mm-hmm. enough draft picks. They could trade the Celtics for a few draft picks or give them draft picks and get Jalen Brown. Now you now you pair Jalen Brown and Anthony Davis on the Brooklyn Nets. And Brown could take, it could easily take over the team. He, that's what he's been wanting to do in Boston. But Jason mm-hmm. Tatum's there. And so, I, and I think Boston likes Tatum. That's why I'm saying that. So, for me, I think it actually there's there's a lot more moves that you could do if you get rid of Kyrie and KD versus mm-hmm. if you keep them, 
you're going to have this toxic relationship where, hey, does KD really want to play? There's going to be games where KD has like a bad night and mm-hmm. you're going to be like, is it because he just doesn't want to be here? And then the whole Kyrie thing, you're going to be like, is it mental health? Is it he just doesn't care? Is he just this bad now? I don't know, but I, I really think the Nets would be smart to move off of them. And I think if you got Anthony Davis, he's still a young player. Mm-hmm. And he's still a guy who everyone knows if he's healthy, he's fantastic. Now, yes, the biggest question is if he's healthy. But that's why if you're trading away Katie and Kyrie, you're not going to be a win now team this year. There's going to be no way. And even if you don't trade away KD or Kyrie, I think you're still kind of in a, we're not going to win this year because you understand, are they really going to give it my, their best? I'm not sure. They, they could pull a James Harden mm-hmm. and Ben Simmons and be like, nope, I, I'm done. And yeah. you're just like, well, we're screwed now. And if they do that, you actually lose trade value because you're like, well, maybe they're just deteriorating as a player. Mm-hmm. I get you, man. I mean, don't get me wrong. I want it to happen. Mm-hmm. I think that there's a lot of hurdles to get past to make that come to fruition. But we'll see, man. I mean, don't get me wrong. I want to be in your crazy camp. But I just, I'm also in reality. So I'm just being, just being realistic. Okay, man. Yes. When, when they get KD and Kyrie, I will be here saying, I told you so. You don't get to talk for the rest of the episode. Not like it's any different from any other episode. <laughs> but now... I will take over. So I, w- I will be uh, very annoying if that happens. Works it will happen. So you're going to have to okay. be prepared I hope for so. It. I really want it to happen. I really <laughs> want to say you're right on this one for sure. All right. Cody, let's take a break. When we come back, let's talk about some NFL. All right, Cody. Um, so I'm going to do, I'm going to change this up. Well, we didn't talk about this beforehand. We're doing this on the spot. We have AFC South predictions that we need to get to. Um, so I'm going to do these two questions for you and only mm-hmm. you. Because uh, okay. you kind of know how I feel. Everyone who's watched this show or listened to the show knows how I feel about Baker Mayfield. Um, so I don't think we need to talk about that. I know you did a little bit of research on the new Raiders hire that we're going to talk about. So mm-hmm. um, I'll, I'll let you. I don't really know much. So I'm going to let you kind of handle this, and then we'll go into our AFC South predictions. Does that sound good to you? Yeah, I'll try. All right. So, Cody, Baker Mayfield goes to the Panthers. Mm -hmm. Um, I I mean, it was like a fifth-round conditional pick. Yeah. So, um, you know, the Browns, Lord knows what they're doing. But anyway, you know, they, they're finally done with Baker Mayfield. He goes to the Panthers. Uh, no one cares. <laughs> what are your thoughts on this for, for the Carolina Panthers? I think for the Carolina Panthers, this is an interesting move. I know that your guy Colin likes this move a little bit for Baker just because essentially when Tom Brady retires in Collins, uh, you know, uh, what he believes is the Baker will potentially be the best quarterback in this division. And, Hard to argue. I mean, you have, you know, Mariota, Winston, uh, and you have, uh, you know, obviously you have Baker and then whoever the backup would be or the replacement would be for Kyle Trask or Bling Gabbard. Yeah, one of those guys. But, you know, for I think this is a good heads, a good restart for Baker. I would say that the Panthers are probably better suited for a player like Baker just because 
you know, something was going on organizationally with the Browns and maybe it was Baker. Maybe it was Stefanski. Maybe it was, you know, they did go through a, a GM in the middle of, uh, you know, Baker's tenure there. So I don't know if maybe if leadership really changed on that or not, but I really like this for the Panthers just because I'm not as huge fan of Sam Darnold. I don't believe in him. I know that, you know, he's a USC quarterback. This is kind of like a laundry list of USC quarterbacks that just don't pan out in the NFL. The only one that really did was Carson Palmer. Now that's it. Like Matt Sanchez had very minimal success with the Jets. Matt Leiner didn't even have success you know, so on and so forth. And, you know, unfortunately, Sam Darnold is victim to that. And, you know, I don't know if it's because of the Jets that messed him up. I don't know if it's him himself, but I think this is a good uh, fit for for Baker. Uh, he's got, I would argue, he's got a better cast of weapons with, you know, DJ Moore, uh, CMC. Uh, obviously, he's got uh, Robbie Anderson. Don't know if he's going to retire or not, but I doubt it. Uh, they still have a pretty young tight end and Ian, uh, I think it's Ian Thomas is the tight end's name. And their defense is up and coming. Like the Panthers have a pretty respectable defense. Is it as good as the Browns? 100% not, but it's competitive. And the NFC is not as competitive as the AFC. I think the Panthers may have just gotten themselves maybe two extra wins. I don't think that makes them a playoff or a wild card team by any stretch of the imagination. But I do think it gives Baker an opportunity to, to at least be a serviceable quarterback. And I think Matt Rule's system will fit better with Baker than Stefanski's offense with Baker. Because Stefanski's offense is more of a watered-down version of a West Coast run kind of heavy option. And Carolina's is more of a, you know, is more of a play action, a little bit of bootleg here and there, but they're going to spread the ball around a little bit. Whereas Stefanski's offense was very very, very simple and very kind of old school, but run first kind of esque. So I think for this Baker will see a little bit of success and I'm curious to see how he recovered from his injury and um, go from there. But, you know, obviously this doesn't bode well for Sam Darnold. I mean, he'll be lucky to make the practice squad in my opinion, unless some team just invests their time and energy into fixing him. But I don't know if that's possible just because, of how far he's fallen and, you know, the amount of hype behind him and, you know, potential that he was supposed to have and he didn't show. Now I will say uh, Bucky Brooks came on Colin Cowherd's pot or um, uh, show earlier this week. And he actually brought up a good point that Sam Darnold don't count him out. There's a possibility that he could still end up being the starter week one mm-hmm. because not only did they get a new offensive coordinator and uh, Darnold has been there since the beginning. Uh, he's been working out with him like every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been studying the playbook. He's been working at it. So there's a pause and, and Mayfield is coming in very late. And he brought up the point of when Cam Newton came in uh, to New England and they didn't start him right away. And the real reason was because he was trying, he was trying to get to the offense as much as he could, but he really couldn't grasp all of it until um, a couple of weeks later. And, um, you know, that's why they kind of, they had their struggles and whatnot. So um, I think, and I think that's a valid point. I think you have to really look at, you know, who's been spending more time there, uh, who's been in Matt Rule's system for at least a year. Sam Darnold. So there is a mm-hmm. possibility that we could see Baker Mayfield later in the year, maybe like week four, five, maybe six at the latest. 
Um, but um, I, I do still think there is a possibility that Sam Darnold could end up being the starter week one. We'll see. I mean, if we're being honest with ourselves, the better quarterback of the two is Mayfield. But mm. who has the better, um, you know, who has the better arm? Who's who's a bigger guy? Who's a guy who can actually see over their offensive lineman? That would be Sam Darnold. So mm-hmm. um, there is a possibility he could be that. So I will just say that. Um, so, Cody, um, the Raiders are the first team to, to hire their first black female president in the NFL in NFL history. Mm-hmm. Her name is Sandra Douglas Morgan, and she is a boss. All right. Yep. So, <clears throat> Cody, why don't you give us your thoughts on the hiring of the new president for the Raiders. So I think this is obviously a huge, you know, barrier breaking moment for the Raiders. They're kind of notorious for doing this throughout their history and I'm glad it's continuing. Um, so just a little background on, on Sandra Douglas, Douglas Moore, uh, Morgan, excuse me, is a uh, previous position, I guess is what she's known for is the chairwoman for the Nevada gaming uh, uh, center. She did that for a few uh, few years, and then um, she's a litigation attorney for MGM Grand, and then also a city attorney for Las Vegas for a number of years. So she's got a lot of experience in how to handle people, um, you know, law, of course. And I think this is huge, just because this is such a pivotal pivotal moment in our you know in our country, and especially in like women's rights, especially with what's going on now. It's pretty polarizing, and I think this yeah. is a huge barrier because not only is it a female, but it's a minority. Um, and it's in a really high executive position within a professional, uh, NFL, you know, uh, organization, which I don't know if much people would have factored, would have figured that ever happened. I mean, I think just last season or two seasons ago, the NFL was just introducing a few female coaches to team coaching staffs. And, you know, I think last season we just were introduced to our first female full-time referee, I know the NBA has already had some female coaches in there and referees and executives and stuff. So this is really cool that the Raiders are, you know, breaking barriers, um, really moving forward and progressing. I really hope this starts a trend with other teams. And, you know, I'm very excited for the Raiders future and the fact that they are, they've been making some really smart decisions the last, you know, I would say this year, especially starting with, hiring uh, Dave Ziegler and um, Josh McDaniels, who came from a Patriots organization. I would also say, you know, the fact that uh, they are hiring, um, you know, Sandra as a, uh, you know, president of the NFL uh, team. I think this is huge. And I think it's a step in the right direction for history. I, you know, hope it all works out. I don't want to say she's going to be terrible because the last president that was in, uh, that was in, that position was there for 16 years for the Raiders. So I'm yeah. hoping for longevity. And obviously this is a great moment again for history and proud to be a Raider fan to be able to witness it. And I'm very, very, very proud of the Raiders for doing so. Yes. I'm, I'm very proud. And, and um, you know, this is a good move for Mark Davis, especially with what's been going on. There's been some people who are saying, you know, maybe it's because of what's been going on that they just like, kind of making this move to kind of like lighten things up or, you know, mm-hmm. trying to like, you know, take the, the attention off of things. Cause there are still kind of like, um, 
you know, investigations going on. So, and, you know, obviously with the whole Washington commanders thing with Dan Snyder, Mark Davis has kind of been linked, linked to that a little bit. So there's been a lot of talk. And so a lot of people are saying, but listen, either way, this is still a, this is still a great move for the Raiders. This is a great move for the NFL. This Mm -hmm. lady is someone who has worked obviously very hard because if you're a a woman of of color and you're a woman Mm -hmm. (laughs) to to come up into a position like this is not an easy task i know people think that oh companies just hire people because of uh because of race you know that they have to have that you know uh they have to have someone of color into in their um organization but the reality is those people have to work extra hard like right People of color, they have to, they have to do so much more than Mm -hmm. what is asked of like myself. It's insane. Like I, I can't tell you how many stories I've seen. So I know that this lady is not only um, someone who I, I know is going to get the job done and done right, but also I really feel like this is one of those people that I can actually say with confidence we're not going to have any issues with her because mm-hmm. there's not going to be any uh, scandalous, like, you know, emails to another team about, um, you know, uh, the way a woman looks or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not going to have any of these, um, you know, uh, reports of someone showing their genitals on, you know, to another employee. We're not going to see any of that because, right. you know, it from what I've seen, women in power they actually take it seriously versus some men in power who are like, yeah, this is kind of nice, but it gives me a lot of everything else. So I think this is a great hire. I know, sorry, that's a little risque to say, but I mean, I gotta be honest, man, this is kind of the truth. This is how I feel. Like I, I, I'd rather right now, I'd rather have so many more women in power than men because it's just, women seem to take it way more seriously and they seem to get more things done it, mm-hmm. just to me. I mean, I know with the, the um, dynamic between my wife and I, mm-hmm. my wife does way more than I do. She helps me with my homework and she's uh-huh. still going to work. I'm usually just home with the kids trying to like focus on keeping the kids alive. Mm-hmm. And then my daughter, my, my wife comes home and she's been, you know, all over Fresno and she's tired. And then I'm like, I don't know what, you know, Picasso is drawing here. He's got two eyes on the same side of the face. I don't know what that is. And she's like, Oh, I'll, I'll do that here. Let me type it up. She types uh-huh. up a whole freaking essay on uh, Picasso. Who's got two eyes on this, on one side of the face. So um, it, it's amazing what women can do. And mm-hmm. uh, this is the absolute right move. Uh, you can, you can, all you men can try and diminish it all you want. You can say, oh, well, it's just because she's a woman of color and she's a woman. Let me tell you this. She's worked her ass off to get here, and she completely deserves this position. And I'm going to guarantee you she's going to be here for at least 20 years. I hope so. Yeah. All right, Cody. Sorry. Let me get off my high horse. Let Let me hop off of that. My dog is over here, you know, licking himself next to me, so... No time like the present to get started on the AFC South <laughs> because uh, what my dog is doing to himself right now is uh, basically what the AFC South is going to do to themselves. Yeah. This is a crap division. 
This is, I don't know <laughs> how much time you want to spend on it, but it's going to be a quick one because this is not my favorite division. I'll just say that. Yes. Okay. So, Cody, let's go four, three, two, one. Okay. Um, yeah, I think that's I think that's fair. That's what we've been doing this whole time, even though we probably already know who our number one is. <laughs> I don't think there's any secret here. I don't know. You might surprise me here. Um, I probably surprised you with at least one team, so I'll, I'll say that. So, Cody, okay. who is your number four team? Why and what is their record? All right, so number four team, of course, none other than the Houston Texans. I have them at a whopping 2-15. and 15. I don't believe in David Mills. Um, Lovey Smith, I feel like, is being handed a really terrible roster. Uh, <laughs> yes, they dude. have the only great offensive asset that they really have is Brandon Cooks, who for some reason decided to sign an extension with them. I don't. I I guess David Mills is a pretty good young quarterback. Um, you know, he showed some promise last season, so hopefully he takes a pretty good step forward and makes him a little bit competitive. <laughs> I don't really care for Houston's defense, though. I don't really think there's much to be excited for. Um, outside of Brandon Cooks, and I don't even know if David Johnson is even on their team any longer. I think he's now a free agent. Uh, I have no idea what Houston is doing. I think they're, they're playing for the number one, uh, number one uh, draft pick next season. So I've got Houston Texans at 2-15. and 15. I think the only games I have them winning is one against Jacksonville, I believe. And I think I have them winning some surprise team. Let me see. I got to pull it up real quick. The only team I really have them beating is Jaguars and Tennessee. I have them splitting games with Jaguars and the and the Titans. So those are really the only two games I see them capturing, and that's it. Okay, uh, not a lot to talk about on the Houston Texans. I also have a Houston Texans at four. I have them at three and fourteen. Mm-hmm. Um, I have them splitting games between Tennessee. Um, I have them winning against Washington just because I felt like um, it was mainly because of Washington's schedule that I thought mm-hmm. maybe uh, Houston can kind of catch them with their pants down. And then I have them splitting games against Jacksonville. So those are the, really the only wins I gave Houston. I mean, I'm with you. Davis Mills, you know, he had a really – he actually had a, a nice year for what they were going through. Listen, mm-hmm. Houston, if you don't think this Deshaun Watson thing is not also affecting Houston, you're dead wrong. This is going to affect them a lot. They're the ones who have been supplying Deshaun Watson with these uh, masseuses. So so they're going to be going through a lot of legal stuff. So to be honest, Houston is not really focused on this football year. Obviously, the football players, the, the coaches, they are. But mm-hmm. as you said, Lovey Smith got really thrown into the fire with this one. Um, yeah. And he's not going to Radshack, Meshack, and Abednego this one. Um, and if you don't understand that reference, read your Bible a little bit. Um, but uh, <laughs> but it, it, it's not going to happen this year. Yeah. I mean, as much as I, I, I kind of feel bad for the organization at the same time with what they did uh, with the whole Deshaun Watson thing, it absolutely disgusts me. And I mm-hmm. hope they go, oh, Oh, and what, 16, 17? Oh, and 17, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope they go oh, and se- 17, and I hope the Browns do too, because both of those organizations deserve it. But football, football sense, it's not going to, it's really unrealistic that that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, they showed that they had some fight in them. So I do feel like they are going to, um, they are going to uh, win a few games, but they're not really going to be 
all that good. I think they have a chance to win a couple of more games, mm-hmm. um, but I, I just I don't see them even being kind of competitive. So yeah, same. All right, Cody, who's your number three team? Number three is the good old Jacksonville Jaguars and Trevor Lawrence in his sophomore season. I know that they have a new head coach in uh, Peterson, which is great. I think he's a huge upgrade, of course, from Urban Meyer, uh, who, you know, I don't think that uh, Coach Peterson is going to be in the strip clubs on losses. So I think that's a positive. <laughs> but I have them finishing with a record of five and twelve. Um, again, I have them splitting with Houston, Tennessee, and with uh, I think I have them also splitting with the Colts. And that's pretty much it. I think the only other couple games that they'll win are um, is I think I have here the Giants and Dallas. I have them beating Dallas at home. It's kind of like one of those in like later in the year fluke wins. I I can see happening. Just when everything's kind of starting to click, I see the Jaguars kind of surprising everybody. Um, I don't, I mean, I, I see this team as slightly upgraded, but not by much. I mean, I don't even want to say that their receiving core is upgraded. Christian Kirk is a fine receiver. I don't think he's number one receiver material. I think he really needs like a really good one to go with him. And then he's a serviceable two. And that's kind of like what it was demonstrated when he was in Arizona. Um, you know, and outside of that, like, you know, Jaguars don't really have a whole lot of weapons. My fear is that Trevor Lawrence's, um, you know, progress is going to be a little halter just because this offense isn't the greatest. And I think they're going to need one more offseason to kind of go after some free agents and up and upgrade more things. I think the only saving grace that the Jaguars have is their defense is actually underrated. I think it's I think it's a serviceable defense. It'll keep them in close games for a while. But I think ultimately the Jaguars offense are inexperience is gonna is gonna really play into their losses but i think the defense is probably the only shining light that this team is going to have all season um and yeah so that's where i have the jaguars all right this is what i'm going to surprise you the tennessee titans are my third team and i have them at five and twelve wow i absolutely hate what they have done this offseason not only did they show that Arthur Smith needs, I mean, not, I'm sorry, Arthur, Arthur Smith. Not only did they show that they needed Arthur Smith, excuse me, Arthur Smith is the head coach of the Falcons now. I completely mm-hmm. messed that up. So sorry. But they showed that they needed Arthur Smith, but they also showed that uh, Ryan Tannehill needed Arthur yeah. Smith. And what we saw with, Ryan Tannehill last year was when he wasn't doing well, he ended up saying, okay, well, I'm just going to go to AJ Brown when he finally came back and you got rid of that target. Mm-hmm. Um, this is not a recipe for success. Yes. You have Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry is a phenomenal running back, but he is a guy who does get injured quite often. And not only is their offensive line now worse, their quarterback is now worse and their receiving core is now worse. Mm-hmm. You're not going to do much with that. You, We've seen time and time again, the NFL has now kind of moved away from the run game. There mm-hmm. are guys like a Derrick Henry who can kind of change the, the narrative of that. But you have to have at least some sort of other weapons. Now all these defenses are like, we'll let Ryan Tannehill try and beat us. We're going to go up to the line. And we're going to mm-hmm. stop Derrick Henry, and we're going to make them become a throwing team. And if you look at 
just just look at the AFC West teams. Mm-hmm. The AFC West teams have nothing but weapons. You have to keep up with those teams. Those are the teams that are going to be in the playoffs. So if you're not keeping up with those teams, you're not obviously going to win many games. So in my opinion, not only did the Titans get worse offensively, but they are not any better defensively. They mm-hmm. didn't do much with this defense. This is what their Achilles heel was last year. And 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 I still think the offense was was not very good. So I feel like the Titans are going to take a way step back. I've always been down on Ryan Tannehill, Cody, as you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I think the Titans are taking a huge step back. I had Tennessee at eight and nine, second place in the AFC South. Um, I agree with you. They didn't really do a whole lot of upgrades offensively or defensively. And I was saying that I believe the Ryan Tannehill experiment is basically over. Uh, I think after this season, they're probably going to look for some sort of replacement just because there is, they don't really have an offensive weapon that's going to coexist with Tannehill. And I agree with you, you know, Arthur Smith, his, his uh, OC was really the only thing that was stopping him from being hot garbage. And I don't know how much better or worse Tannehill's going to be without him now. So as I'd mentioned, I had Tennessee at eight and nine missing the playoffs, of course in that division. So who did you have in second place? I have the Jaguars in second place. I have them at six and 11 though. I don't have them very high. Um, so I can see how you could have the Titans at two. I just, um, I think the Jaguars, I think they did get better. I mean, we can make fun of the, the Christian Kirk and signing him to a huge contract. Yes. Um, you know, Obviously, the whole thing that they went with Urban Meyer and all that. Of course, um, you could say all that. But I do feel like the Jaguars, I think with Doug Peterson, I actually really like him, at least as an offensive head coach. And I think he's actually going to really help Trevor Lawrence. I think Trevor Lawrence is a, is a great talent. Um, I, I, I find it funny that everyone feels like, oh, well, he's – He's no good. I mean, there's just been so many. I just feel like there was so much that was going on around that team that I I feel like it's kind of unfair to just already write him off. Like, I I really do feel like this is a this is a great this is a great situation for Doug Peterson to come into rebuild the team. Possibly if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But if they're even slightly better than they were last year. Um, that's going to look good for him. Mm-hmm. Um, so I actually do like this team, though. I think the running backs, what they have, are fantastic. I think they have some really good uh, receivers. Um, of course, their offensive line is going to need work, but I, I do like Trevor Lawrence a lot. I don't think their defense is all as bad as a lot of people may make it seem. Um, but again, I still only have them winning six games, so I don't think that's that crazy. I have them winning over Detroit, uh, like uh, splitting games against Tennessee, Indianapolis, and Houston. So splitting games with everyone in the division. And then I have them beating the Giants, and I actually have them beating the Cowboys. Um, so that's just kind of uh, where I sit with the Jaguars. Last year they were 3-14. and 14. Uh, You know, can I see them doubling the wins? I can. But at the same time, I could see that if they're more of like a, a four-win, five-win team. But still, I... I, I think they're actually not as bad as what everyone makes them seem. And mm-hmm. I like the Doug Peterson 
um, signing as the as the head coach. So, and I think it's going to do wonders for them. So, um, I don't yeah. think the Christian Kirk signing was a mistake, and I don't think the Doug Peterson for Trevor Lawrence was a mistake either. I agree. Okay, so I'm just going to wrap up then. First place for me, obviously is Indianapolis Colts. I have them at 11 and six. I was saying that, you know, obviously they have an elite offensive line. Jonathan Taylor, basically a premier back. As long as he stays healthy, he's basically got a pretty long career ahead of him. And I think we can all agree that Matt Ryan is a pretty big upgrade from uh, Carson Wentz. And, you know, if you have a veteran quarterback who makes better plays, and I think has a comparable arm to Carson Wentz, I think this Indianapolis team could be surprising. I'm just not real sold on their um, wide receiving weapons. I know Michael Pittman Jr. is a pretty good player, but outside of that, I don't know what other receivers are going to be able to step up. And another thing, too, that this Colts has is a really good defense. I think that they have the best defense in the division. Uh, You know, Obviously, I see the Colts taking the division. I don't know, though, if this makes them a threat in the AFC, per se, considering all the other uh, divisional winners or wildcard teams that could be potentially better than them, but I have Indianapolis Colts finishing at a 11 and six record. Um, I also have the Indianapolis Colts at 11 and six. Um, Listen, exactly what you said. Jonathan Taylor is an absolute beast. Um, They got better at quarterback with Matt Ryan. Listen, Matt Ryan had a horrible, horrible offensive line in Atlanta. And now you've given him arguably the best offensive line in the league right now. Um, At at least if we're going to argue it, at least top five, Mm -hmm. he brought a horrible Falcons offensive line to a seven and 10 record last year. You you put that into Indianapolis where they have a, and and so underrated defense, like this defense doesn't get talked about enough. This is an awesome defense. Um, And then, um, you talk about the uh, the weapons that surround um, uh, Matt Ryan when you have Jonathan Taylor. We talk about Michael Pittman a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. You could you could even I would still say T Y Hilton. Actually, I think T Y Hilton actually might kind of thrive uh, a little bit more with um, with Matt Ryan. So I actually really like this team. Um, you know, I thought I was going to like them a little bit more, but. I do think that Matt Ryan is going to run into uh, a few better teams. Um, you know, I think you're going to lose some games in the division. I have them losing a game to Tennessee and Jacksonville. Um, but I could see them, you know, KC, they do play. They play Denver. They play Las Vegas. They play the Chargers. Basically, they play the whole AFC West. I could see them losing all of those games to the AFC West. But I could also see them pulling one or two of those wins out as well, but losing some mm-hmm. random games as well. So, uh, that, I mean, like I said, I mean, I have them at 11 and six. I don't really know how necessarily that's going to happen, but I do feel like it is going to be an 11 and six. And, and, uh, listen, the Colts have been, um, a steady organization, just not steady at the quarterback position. We've seen the old quarterback before with, in Phillip Rivers, So, um, you know, there is a possibility that it could end up looking not fantastic. Maybe it looks a little good, not great. Who knows? But I think Matt Ryan, although I don't think he's what he was, I do believe that he is still a solid uh, quarterback and he is definitely better with, than what they had last year. Mm-hmm. So um, 
Uh, I really like this Colts team, and I don't think there's really much pushback from any other team. I would also say, too, the Colts could be even more dangerous if they decide to sign Julio Jones and pair him back up with Matt Ryan to go opposite of oh Michael Pittman God, Jr. That would be fantastic. If they did that, this offense would be pretty scary. I know that, yeah. you know, some would say Julio Jones is probably past his prime, and I would, I would agree, but I would still say that he's probably better than most receivers, especially you put a young receiver Pittman, you know, on the opposite side of him. With Matt Ryan and that chemistry that they both have, I think it could be a very, very, very interesting offense. So, yep, couldn't agree more. Okay, Drew. Well, since you're back with us, how about we get started with some Drew take questions? All right, I will make these quick. Okay, good. So, I'll give you some baseball ones. These are pretty much all baseball ones, and then actually to pay homage to our new podcast friends. From the backseat, Clark and Ethan's show, we are going to kind of put our own spin on a start bench cut. I know it's not, they're not the originators, but you know, it's their kind of thing. And so this is our homage to them in a way. But, anyways, yeah, sorry, so Drew, guys, we're, <laughs> we're going to take your segment. It's so popular. We're trying to get popular too. All right. So, anyways, Drew, so, so far as we've all been talking about, we're about the halfway point in the uh, MLB baseball season as All Star Weekend is approaching. So, I want to know from you who do you think is the AL and NL Cy Young favorites so far? So, my AL Cy Young award, I did say that I, I do like Garrett Cole. I'm actually going to say um, Justin Verlander. Um, Verlander has been nothing but spectacular. I mean, Verlander last year kind of had some, uh, you know, obviously he was, he basically really wasn't playing all the last year, um, but he's got an 11 3 record right now. He's got an even two ERA. The guy's 39 years old. <laughs> I mean, let's let's put yeah. that in perspective. Uh, he's already over 100 innings pitched. He's at 98 strikeouts, uh, so he's going to have 100 in his next start. Um, his whip is what I love. It's a .87, which means he's allowing less than a walk or a hit per inning, which is all you really – I mean, that's, like, excellent. I mean, you'll take a, a 1.2 and still mm -hmm. be okay with it. Uh, the fact that he's gotten a whip under one is spectacular. So, um, you know, I really respect uh, Justin Verlander. I thought he was going to be kind of be done after last year. Oh, he, I'm sorry, he didn't even pitch last year. Thinking, of I think he had Tommy John. I think he had yeah. Tommy John surgery. That's why. Yeah. So, um, you know, he he's been phenomenal since he's come back, and I feel like he ha himself has. Um, propelled this Astros team. Um, and like I said, he, they're my number three team in the power ranking. So uh, Verlander mm -hmm. is my AL. My NL Cy Young, I have three guys listed. I have Alcantara from the Marlins, Joe Musgrove of the Padres, and Corbin Burns uh, from the Brewers. Now, if you're asking who I would pick, I would pick Musgrove. Because mm -hmm. not only... Have the Padres been the you know second or third place in the NL West uh, this whole time? But all of a sudden, Joe Musgrove has become the ace. Mm -hmm. This guy, like being traded to the Padres, being signing to the Padres, he wasn't supposed to be the ace. He was supposed to be like a number two, maybe even a number three guy. You know, a solid starter. This guy has become an ace, and not only that, he's a good strikeout guy. He's a guy who, if his if his strikeout pitches aren't working, he's a guy who can get ground balls any time of the day. 
Um, he's been really smart with his pitches. Um, and then, yeah, of course he has a, he has a great team behind him, but the reason I would pick him over the other two is Corbin Burns. Yes. He's a fantastic pitcher and he's got the most strikeouts out of all three guys that I have listed. But at the same time, he is a, he's on a team that I think could actually be in the world series. If I'm looking at, you know, the, the Milwaukee Brewers, I think they're a good team. Obviously, they're first place in their division, but I don't think they're a team that could get into the World Series. Um, the Marlins, they may not even make it to the playoffs. And as much as I would actually give it to Alcantara, um, the fact of the matter is they're not a team that is necessarily going to, I believe, is going to be in the playoffs. So they're not going to give it to a team or a player who's not going to be in the playoffs. Um, so I think it's more of a Corbin Burns, Joe Musgrove type uh, deal. And uh, I would give it to Joe Musgrove just because I love watching him pitch with the star studded rotation that they have. Like I said, he was supposed to be like the number three, maybe the number two guy, but Joe Musgrove has taken it over and he's been phenomenal. And I was kind of rooted for him too, because he did sign uh, a baseball for my daughter that we still have. Um, <laughs> and so uh, I always, I always root for the guy. So uh, I'm glad that he is at the level that he is at right now. All right. So basically same kind of question, but this time we're going MVP. So who do you have as an AL and NL MVP favorite so far? I said it earlier in the show, AL MVP is, as uh, Aaron judge, um, I don't feel like I need to go into it too much. Batting average, home runs. The guy has been the Yankees. Play. I mean, he's been the best Yankee since Derek Jeter. Mm-hmm. And, and he's been nothing but as advertised. And this guy is an ultimate dude. He is just someone that, you know, uh, they were talking about on the uh, Backseat Podcast. They are talking about, you know, someone that you would want to have a beer with or, you know, you would want to hang out with. Aaron Judge is that guy. Like, you would want to hang out with him because this guy, he just walks into a room and you're just like, dude, I want to talk to that guy. Like, I need to know what his story is. Mm -hmm. Like, you just look at him and you're like, I need to know what is with this guy. Like, what is his deal? So, um, I I would go, I would go, um, Aaron Judge. And then the NL, this might surprise a few people. Um, actually, uh, from again, from the Vaccine podcast, I was texting with Clark. And he was saying, you know, probably Goldschmidt is the favorite to win. I would actually go with Manny Machado because what he is doing, I don't think anyone expected it, especially Mm -hmm. with Tatis out. Imagine what this guy is going to do now that Tatis is going to be coming back soon. Mm -hmm. Um, Machado has been the best player on the Padres team, minus Joe Musgrove. This is like becoming all Padres uh, uh, podcast, and I freaking hate that. Because I said <laughs> my kids were ever Padres fans, and I, you know, I might have to disown them. But um, Manny Machado, he's a guy that I actually wanted the Giants to go after because we needed a third baseman um, mm-hmm. at the time, and he's a young guy. We could, we had the money to sign him, but of course, you know, the Giants don't want to sign anybody, so we see him go to San Diego instead. And um, he's been, he hasn't been as good as he has been this year, but for some reason this year, he really stepped his game up, and I really appreciate that. Yes, Paul Goldschmidt is having a phenomenal year, but I feel like Machado had a harder 
had a harder thing, had a harder time to get to where he's at because everyone expects Tatis to be, to be the guy. But I feel mm-hmm. like Machado this year, even with Tatis coming back, it's still going to be Machado's team, in my opinion. Um, you know, Ethan Clark, if you disagree, you know, you can, you can, you got my number. You can text me, bro. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I honestly do believe that Manny Machado right now, for me, is my favorite to win the NL MVP. Um, Paul Goldschmidt is hitting 344 right now, which is spectacular. I don't think it's going to stay like that. I think he's going to regress a little bit. Uh, and I think Machado's home run numbers are going to add up a little bit more. And I think his batting average is going to be around where it is now, which is 315. So um, I think you're going to see uh, Manny Machado possibly winning the NL MVP. Right on. All right. So sticking with the same baseball theme with our Drew Tate questions. So as you know, Drew, so again, the uh, most popular sports commissioner of uh of major league has said that he would like to expand the mlb to at least two teams so i'm curious what two cities would you like to see the mlb expand to i'll give you my honest opinion my honest opinion is this is going to be a very unpopular take to Mm -hmm. cities that are unpopular but i really do feel like it should be in, 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 at least in discussion. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really truly believe that Omaha, Nebraska needs to possibly be mentioned. Um, yes, it is a Mecca for college baseball. Um, but everyone talks about how nice it is in Omaha, how great it is. Um, my boss who I, um, who I work for, um, he actually attended, uh, Creighton, which is, uh, in the, or close to Nebraska. Um, I believe it is in Nebraska and, um, it's very close to Omaha and he actually had a graduation there. And when he went, he was like, I was really surprised of how beautiful it was, how nice it was. I mean, for not having like a beach around it, it was, it was mm-hmm. spectacular. It was a really, really cool city. Um, and it is like a baseball city. I mean, people, I mean, you think Omaha, Nebraska, the first thing you think is the college world series. So automatically you're thinking baseball. So I feel like you should have at least a sports team. If you don't want to have it in Omaha, um, at least somewhere around there, I think makes sense. Um, And another team. And I mean, of course I'm a little biased, of course, but I really do think that Fresno needs to be in the in the talks if you're not going to have it in oakland keep it in california talk about fresno because fresno loves baseball mm-hmm. i don't know if you've ever been to a local high school baseball game but it's always i mean you you went to uh my brother-in-law's um senior night and right. my god it was packed yeah and um that's how it is most of the time it's always a lot of people there, um, you know, a lot of people love the baseball here in Fresno. They, they mm-hmm. love it. Um, Fresno State games, I'm actually kind of surprised of how many people will actually really go. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I thought a lot of people would like to go more to, like, the Grizzly games. But a lot of people like the, the, the just the local games. And I think if you put a, a major league franchise here versus, like, a – minor league franchise, I think it would actually succeed a lot better because 
you know, they're a top five um, city in California. I mean, we have mm-hmm. over half a million people in the city of Fresno. That's plenty of people uh, you right. can attract to to come to baseball games. So um, I think Fresno needs to be mentioned. Where I think they would actually go, mm-hmm. uh, probably Vegas would be, you know, number one. Um, another uh, a city that I think that they'll probably think about, man, uh, maybe a Carolina, maybe like a Charlotte. Okay. Possibly more southern, like New Orleans. Uh, New Orleans is kind of a is kind of a a city that needs, you know, I, I think is is old school southern. So football's huge there. Uh, mm-hmm. Pelicans aren't really that big there. Um, so if you put like, you know, if you put like a um, major league baseball team there, it's that old school southern kind of thought process mm-hmm. to it. So. Uh, baseball, I would assume, is going to be huge there as well, and I'm sure the LSU games, you know, LSU baseball is is huge there. So, um, you know, uh, New Orleans and Vegas is probably the two cities that really pop out to me. I mm-hmm. could see maybe going to like a Charlotte. Um, you know, I would I would love for them to maybe looking to go back into uh, Montreal. Uh, where where they used to have a Montreal Expos, kind of mm-hmm. had a, a team, uh, another team in Canada, that would be cool. Maybe even explore uh, a Mexico team because Mexico, the Mexican um, baseball league, is huge over there. Mm-hmm. So you're going to attract a lot of people when you get the best of the best stars uh, in in Mexico. So um, yeah. I think they really need to think about international uh, and an international team. Yeah. Uh, so. Quickly, before I move on to the next question, I had three cities that I wrote down. So one of them was Omaha, Nebraska. I thought the same thing because, again, the College World Series city, I thought the same. I also thought Las Vegas, Nevada, just because it's a growing city. They just got in a hockey team. Obviously, the Raiders moved there. Yeah. I'm I'm almost certain that the NBA is going to move there eventually as well. I'd say in the next, like, three years. They even I think they already have a WNBA team in, in Vegas right now. Yeah, um, Las Vegas. I, yeah, and I think uh, baseball is the next one to go. And plus, I think that they would be like, for example, if the Oakland A's move from Oakland to Las Vegas, it makes the most sense because they can probably share a stadium with Oakland. It's a huge enough stadium. They can they've done it before. I'm sure they can make it work. Third and final city, which I think um, is a little bit, you know, no pun intended, out there in left field, is Des Moines, Iowa, just because Field of Dreams obviously partakes in a field in the middle of Iowa. I think the symmetry of having a baseball team in the state of Iowa, specifically Des Moines, which is the capital of it, I think would be an interesting city um, just for like the baseball lore. And I'm sure that that would attract some some people over there, especially a professional team. I wouldn't even be opposed to Oklahoma City. So that'd be, that's a fourth team that's for free. So I would. I don't, I don't want Oklahoma, but that's for personal reasons. So oh, Okay. Well, <laughs> I, we won't get into that. Yeah. All right, Drew. So let's do our uh, my version of start bench cut with you. So I'm just going to paint the picture for you of what I'm talking about. And then I'm only going to give you three. OK, so I just want to set your mind frame. So the NBA in 2016 saw numerous things happen. A couple of things that happened just so that way you're in the right mindset. 
We had the Zach Levine and Aaron Gordon dunk contest. It was Tim Duncan and Kevin Garnett's final years playing. Uh, it was Steph Curry winning the first unanimous MVP. Warriors also going 73-9 and nine in the regular season, along with the Cleveland Cavaliers coming back from 3-0, winning the NBA Finals, led by LeBron. And, of course, it was Kobe Bryant's 60-point uh, game, his final game in the NBA. So that was all that happened in 2016. Okay? Just to put your mind frame there. Okay. So the three I'm going to give you is start, bench, cut, Cavaliers winning the NBA Finals, Kobe's 60-point final game, and the Gordon and Levine dunk contest. Okay, so if it's out of those three, Gordon and Levine dunk contest, I'm cutting automatically. Okay. Yes, it was huge. It was just for entertainment purposes. Um, That's the lesser of the three. Okay. I mean, Aaron Gordon got robbed. Uh, Levine was spectacular, but I I think Gordon was just a little bit better. Um, but we've I mean we've always beaten that too. You know it's like beating a dead horse now. I mean it, it's uh-huh. done. Um, God, I would probably bench Kobe's sixty game sixty point final game, and that, and that sounds bad when I say bench, mm-hmm. but it was it was it was something. That was absolutely crazy. But to put it in a little perspective, yes, it was Kobe's last year, but it also was a bad year for the Lakers overall. It wasn't a great Laker team. Mm -hmm. Uh, They weren't even kind of contending. Um, You know, they just had a, you know, a bunch of guys and then Kobe was there. So, and at that time we thought D'Angelo Russell was going to, you know, be the, the next, um, you know, Laker to, you know, in the next Laker great, we thought mm-hmm. that was going to be it. So, um, you know, it was, it was phenomenal. Watching it was crazy. Um, I mean, it was one of the few games that my wife was actually like, I want to watch this. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, you know? Um, so that was really, that was really cool. It was, it was something that, um, needs to be talked about, I think a little bit more. And, and, you know, we don't get, we don't talk about it as much. And then obviously it's Kobe um, not being here anymore. It just makes it that much more special. Mm-hmm. But um, the Cavaliers coming back from three, one deficit on the, the best record in, in basketball that we had ever seen against the Steph Curry, who was, I mean, untouchable. At that mm-hmm. at that point, uh, Draymond Green was able to hit shots. Clay Thompson was um, a sniper. And you talk about yeah, you had Kyrie and LeBron, but Kyrie had just gotten LeBron, where you know Kyrie was kind of the guy who thought they were going to be like, oh, we're going to be fine without LeBron, and they were like, oh, Kyrie is good, but he's not LeBron good. Mm-hmm. And um, so they kind of had to figure out how to work with each other. And and LeBron just like, I mean, all I can think about about 2016, every time we talk about 2016, I think about the block that LeBron had on Andre Iguodala. That, I mean, you watching that, that's what changed the momentum. Because right mm-hmm. at that point, it was all Warriors. And, Cal- and then LeBron blocks that shot. And the Cavs just got in like 
oh, we're going to win. And right. it was like, you saw it live and you see it every time you watch that, that replay, you're like, oh, it, it's it's not going to go the Warriors' way now. Mm-hmm. It's not. Um, it was spectacular to watch LeBron in, in that NBA Finals. I think it's one of the best NBA Finals victory I've ever seen in my life, honestly. Um, one of the best NBA Finals I had ever watched was that Le- the Cavaliers versus the Warriors, where LeBron basically was like, I'm going to do literally everything. Mm-hmm. And in this finals and he absolutely did he was a scorer he was a defender he was a rebounder he was the point guard i mean he was phenomenal yes we talk about Kyrie hitting some some big clutch shots but lebron did everything in between and in mm-hmm. the beginning and Kyrie just kind of like put a cap on it so yeah um, to me the the 2016 cavaliers win is is the uh, start okay so I, I'm going to have a lot of fun answering this because when you went on uh, from the back seat, you got to answer a start bench cut re- related to NBA. And you know, I was probably seething in the background because I would have loved to answer it. But my cut would be the Levine dunk contest as well. Um, just because I think it's probably the best dunk contest. I would argue in the history, just because it, every dunk was phenomenal by Levine and Gordon. It was I'd still give it to, to Jordan and, and Dominique. I would still give it to that one, but I would sure, say that sure. But I would say the creativity was a little better. But again, okay. again, debatable. Depending on what your flavor is, it's fine. But anyways, yeah. I'm still cutting that. I would bench actually the Cavaliers winning three one because I would start Kobe's sixty point game. The reason why it's all hundred percent sentimental. It's not what was most important. Not looking back on, you know, the Lakers were a terrible team. And to put things in perspective, Kobe Bryant was on the same team as. Julius Randle, Jordan Clarkson, uh, D'Angelo Russell, and uh, and what's the other Larry uh, Larry Nance Jr. So all of those guys were on one team at one given point. Now, granted, they were all rookies. Oh, and I think I don't think Brandon Ingram had come in the league at the time. No, yet. he came right after. Right after that. But anyways, I would put Kobe as a start just because again, 100% sentimental. Literally final game in the Staples Center, formerly Staples Center, and he dropped sixty points. Never would have thought that. And he had a last second game winning shot. Not not really last second, but in the final seconds, he drains like a, a mid range shot to kind of put a cap on everything. And it was a great way to go out. And I think that's a really great final game for him to to go out on because there's several players. I remember Michael Jordan's final game with the Wizards, where he only scored. 15 points against the Sixers and it was kind of a bad game and it was not like a great final game that you wanted to see yeah. MJ go out on considering how dominant literally the greatest player everyone kind of recognizes or LeBron depending on what again what you prefer but Kobe Bryant's last game was just on a whole nother level where it it was a story it was beautiful and I mean literally during the pandemic they put it on replay over and over and over because it was it was that kind of entertaining of a game. So, yeah. so yeah. So that was our version of start bench cut, man. So, all right, <laughs> it's pretty good. That was a good one. That was a tough one. Um, so yeah, I mean, we'll we'll have to maybe do those a, a little more often, but I don't know if we can do it every week. No, I agree. That that's uh-huh. just a that was just an homage. Like I said, probably won't be every week. It's not really our deal. But it's kind of fun to have one every yeah. now and again. Yes. So thank you, Backseat. 
Um, so I just want to say thank you guys for watching. Sorry, my phone completely died. Um, and then the charger that I was trying to use, uh, the cord is going out. So I had to go grab another charger. So that's why it took a little bit longer. So I'm sorry about that. So this episode took a lot longer than it was supposed to. But I appreciate you guys watching and or listening. So thank you guys so, so, so much. Um, you know, go check us out on all the social media sites, which is uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We're also on TikTok. So go check all that out. Uh, go check us out on uh, YouTube. As if you're not watching on YouTube right now, uh, subscribe and uh, like and comment on all the all the videos. All the descriptions are in, or all the um, tat or all of our names. Excuse me, good lord. Uh, all of the um, you know social media uh, names that we have, you can check it out on the description in the podcast or even here on YouTube. So. Uh, you will be able to find us no matter what. And then um, go check out our partners over at fnxfitness.com. They have great workout gear, great workout supplement. Cody, you're wearing a, a shirt right now from FNX Fitness. So um, really cool stuff. Simple shirts, but they're really they're really nice and really comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I love their uh, supplement stuff that they have. Um I, I need to get more and, uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm waiting, I'm waiting to be able to get my stuff. So go check them out. We have a promo code for you where you can get 15% off your whole purchase by using our promo code. Again, it'll be in the description. Um, and then, um, you can, uh, we would appreciate the rate and review on all the, um, podcast site, which is going to be Spotify, iHeart and, uh, Apple podcasts. So, Go check us all out on those. And uh, like I said, comment and um, rate and review on all that. Anything and everything does help. So that way we can get better at what we are doing. So I'm going to send it over to Cody because I'm having a a very hard time talking as I'm trying to send it to you. Good God. (laughs) So just finish it off, Cody. (laughs) All right, guys. We want to thank you guys so much for watching. Thank you guys for listening. Again, just as Drew had said, all of our social media handles, you can subscribe, you can download, you can like, share, comment, all in the description down below in the show, along with obviously in our link tree, which is all there. But again, if you guys need a reminder, it's all at Drew Code Sports Talk, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and now on TikTok, which is a lot of fun. So please join us over there. Also, please do not forget to join us in our fantasy football league. DM us, email us. We will have more information coming out very soon. Uh, football season is right around the corner. Come August is when it's going to really start heating up. So it's going to be super exciting. We want you guys to join us for that. And it's going to be super, super fun. Uh, again, guys, thank you guys so much for watching. Uh, we hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Please comment down below with your guys' AFC South predictions. Please comment below what you guys think of all the questions that we went over. We want to hear from you guys and interact with you guys. And again, shout out to From the Backseat uh, podcast guys, Clark and Ethan. Thank you guys again for the shout out on your episode. Here's to you guys. We'll see you guys in a couple of weeks. Drew's going on a very uh, long and well-needed vacation as he deserves it. As he's slurring his words, we're past his bedtime. So we're going to say goodnight. Thank you guys. And we'll see you next time. Yes. See you later.